the logical lead, Avery's failed to capitalise on its dominant position. In 1979, GEC launched a hostile takeover bid. After a valiant defence by the board, the longest in stock market history, GEC acquired Avery's and things began to change. Under the new management, the workforce contracted, assets were sold off and new products hurriedly introduced. But the surgery was too late. The world had moved on and the old Avery structure would be swept away by a series of rationalizations, mergers and acquisitions. In 1981, I reluctantly resigned from Avery's to join Tokyo Electric Company, a Japanese-scale manufacturer, and open a distribution network in the UK. The timing was good, and just three of us sold £1.2 million worth of scales within the first year. It was the right move for me, and I never regretted it. I learnt a great deal during my time at Avery's, much of which has been put to good use over the years. Many of the sales techniques and tips I've picked up are included in these pages. I don't claim any are original. I've always been willing to learn from others, but I do know they work. One of my favourite expressions, button the sale with benefits, comes from a training film made in the 1930s, and it's as true today as it was then. In 1949, Arthur Miller wrote the play Death of a Salesman, depicting the sad, ugly end of Willie Loman, a failed, burnt-out salesman who kills himself. It's a miserable, depressing story. If Miller had written about Willie Loman starting his career, the story would have been very different. Instead of being jaded, tired and bitter, Willie Loman would have been a different character. He would have believed what he was told and been a willing advocate for his company. I was bright-eyed, energetic and enthusiastic when I joined Avery's. And that's why this book is called Birth of a Salesman, dealing, as it does, with the early part of my business career. The world you will discover in these pages no longer exists. Market forces, economics and technology have all contributed to its destruction. Today, small shops struggle to compete. Pre-packed produce is the norm, coal merchants are rarely seen on the streets and people make their purchases on the internet. Whole industries that once used scales have been swept away. Once, things had to be serviced regularly. Now, they're used and often discarded when they go wrong. Most of the events I've related are drawn from my own experiences, but I've also included some episodes recounted to me by my colleagues, which helped to illustrate the age we were living in, an age when people were expected to know their place. I owe a big thanks to my old boss, Alan Matthews, for pointing out some errors, to Dave Riches for his input, and to my proofreaders, Dave Simpkins, and my cousin, Graham Watkins. Nearly four decades have passed since then, and if my memory fails me in some minor detail, or I ruffle a few feathers, I apologise. The facts I recall are generally accurate. I've not set out to discredit or harm anyone, and the opinions I have expressed of others are entirely my own. I also need to thank Andrew Lound, the museum creator at Avery Waytronics, for his generous help in allowing me to ferret through museum archives. Is the world better now? Absolutely. But even though they were difficult times, I enjoyed myself immensely. This is a personal story of a seminal part of my life, but, by writing it, I realised it's also a snapshot of an ever-changing world, something you might find in a dusty old suitcase and wonder about. I hope you find it entertaining. Chapter 1 from ship to shore. My early childhood is a distant place, 
Father worked long hours as a journalist for a national newspaper, while my mother looked after us children. It was not a happy household. As a small boy, I learned to keep out of the way and had few friends. My father did the same, withdrawing into his work and looking elsewhere for companionship. When I was nine, the marriage disintegrated, and I went to live in Luton with my grandparents. As my grandparents nurtured me, I began to emerge from my protective shell and was no longer the withdrawn little boy with no social skills they had kindly taken into their home. I was sixteen and had just sat my O-levels when Grandfather told me it was time to make my own way in the world. He produced a newspaper advert offering marine engineering cadetships. It promised training, a chance to see the world, and most importantly of all, a salary. Four months later, I was enrolled at Poplar Technical College, London, where I studied OND engineering for two years. I lodged with a butcher and his wife in Upton Park. Mr. Carvoso came from Italian...